Well, let me ask you something. Whose dream are you working on right now? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, yes. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, if you're a regular listener here, you know the answer to that. Yes, it is possible. And if you don't love your work now, I know you're working on a plan to move in that direction. Too many options out there to settle for less. Well, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Gusto. Proud to bring them to you. They have products and services that can help you. I'll be telling you a bit more about that. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I hear these people that are becoming self-employed millionaires. I would love to figure out a way to provide better income for my family in a creative way that uses my talents and abilities. Golly, that's a, that, that's got to resonate with a whole lot of you out there. We'll talk about that. Is that really possible? Or are you just kind of trapped with the status quo? Well, here's another question. Is it possible I could get a publisher to buy my book? Somebody has a manuscript finished? Wondering, is that really possible? Yeah, we'll look at that. And somebody says, is it possible to buy the rights to a book no longer being published? Well, we'll talk about some of those book issues. We got some good news pieces here that I want to share with you. Exciting things. I love finding these good news items all over the continent. Good news happening everywhere. We want to focus more on that. I'll tell you how to screen out some of the bad news in one of our pieces we got coming up here. So our quotation for today is this. If you don't build your dream, someone will hire you to build theirs. Now that's been so common out there. I can't really find a correct author attribution for that. I don't know who said it. A whole lot of people said it. It's a pretty common thought, but we'll just kind of park on that as we go through some of the questions today. If you don't build your dream, someone will hire you to build theirs. Now, nothing wrong with that, but just be realistic about what's going on. So the call to action this week is, whose dream are you working on? You just think about it right now. When, you, when you're doing your work this week, whose dream are you working on? Is it your dream? I mean, I had that conversation recently with my daughter, Ashley, who's been working for me for 15 years. Well, when she first came, she was fresh out of college, newly married, no children. She's in a much different place now. Very much different. Has three children. They live on the road. They're traveling. Her husband's involved in investments. You know, and I ask her, are you sure you're living your dream? Are you just helping your dad live his? Well, we've had some great conversations around that and a lot of clarity a lot of fun and just keeping that fresh. I mean, the last thing in the world I want is to have one of my own children blocking their dream because they're helping good old dad. Nah, not going to happen in this family. Well, we had a lot of clarity on that. She's thrilled doing what she's doing, thrilled about the opportunities that she sees ahead of her as well. well let me tell you about our business partners here, and then we're going to jump into the good news and questions we've got for today. Now, I've talked to you about fresh books many times. I mean, they're, they're with us this entire year, proud to have them be 
one of our business partners. But there's a fascinating thing about entrepreneurs is that, you know, what you see on the surface is rarely the whole story. You know, most business owners I know, small business owners, have overcome serious obstacles to get to where they are. Now, one of these obstacles is that feeling of being overwhelmed when it comes to dealing with all the paperwork and administration required in running even a small business or a side hustle. Conquering this feeling is exactly why FreshBooks was created. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software that's ridiculously easy to use. You won't even remember what it was like to feel overwhelmed by paperwork. You can create and send a professional looking invoice in about 30 seconds. When you connect FreshBooks to your bank account, it can automatically create expense reports based on what you charge to your credit or debit card. So you go out to lunch with somebody, yeah, make that a business meal. You know, sometimes I'm surprised when I have lunch with somebody, a business person, and they and we discuss business principles, business concepts, challenges, and they just pay for their lunch with cash and don't even ask for a receipt. I think, wow. That's a legitimate business expense. You ought to be keeping track of those things. That makes a difference at the end of the year. Well, that's the kind of things FreshBooks can help you with. Right now, FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all of our 48 Days listeners. To claim yours, just go to FreshBooks.com slash 48 Days and enter 48 Days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, that's FreshBooks.com slash 48 Days and then enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now, our other business partner today is Gusto. You've heard me talk about them. It's really a partner to the accounting software that FreshBooks provides. Now, you can do either one as a standalone, but Gusto takes care of payroll and benefits. I mean, those are things that are really challenging for small businesses. And golly, I know it's a pain to have to try to keep up in all the new rules and regulations regarding that. You know, things that affect your taxes, regulations about having employees or independent contractors, you know, all those things. Well, you need Gusto to make payroll benefits and HR easy. I mean, their modern technology does a heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, you can check them out. You can check out what other people are saying about them. I mean, small business Magazine, PC Magazine, called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Nine out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than any other payroll solution they've experienced. Four out of five customers reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. And again, you can just Google it. Check them out. You'll see what people are saying about them. I mean, most small businesses don't have a human resource expert. You don't need one. Not with Gusto. With great software, great service, you can focus on your business, not payroll and paperwork. Well, here's they've got a special offer for our listeners as well. This is an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today. You'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Again, three months free service from Gusto just to check it out to see how it manages your payroll to make it easy for you. Go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Well, let's jump into some good news here. These are, I love these things. There's so many of them. I'm going to go through just a few here really quickly so we can get to the questions. Here's a guy who is working to convert a cruise ship into supportive housing community for the homeless. Kenneth Capron 
is determined to find housing for the homeless, even if it means thinking outside the box and outside of land. Earlier this week, just this week, he addressed the city council of Portland, Maine, about transforming a decommissioned cruise ship into a housing community for vulnerable people. Now, I really get a sense of what that is. A cruise ship is like a village on the water. I mean, it's so big, and this one is as well. But uh, Joanne and I have been on many cruise ships, many cruises, and to think about having an entire ship converted to housing, I mean, what a cool idea. When the ship has been decommissioned, it's no longer up to snuff for whatever reason to go out on the open water, but to have it sitting right there in the port and be housing, what a cool idea. He says we're looking at four populations, the homeless population, low-income population, the workforce population, immigrant population. They all need housing. They all need job skills training. We would offer that on board. Uh, he's, he's gotten permission from the city council and potential stakeholders. Now as he, he's applied for a $250,000 grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to conduct the first feasibility study in converting cruise ships into housing. While the cruise ship would not be considered long-term housing, it could offer services and resources to those who need it most. I love this idea. So he's got that going. We'll keep you abreast of that. That's up in Portland, Maine, but certainly would be a possibility in a lot of other cruise ports as well, to have a cruise ship that's no longer on the open sea sitting there and provide housing and training. I mean, that's what excites me. Not just, well, gee, you can stay here. No, but have training programs on board. I mean, it makes so much sense. And have it be done in beautiful surroundings, that's a great kickstart for somebody who needs a hand up. Well, here's an employee who lets autistic teens stock the shelves. The video goes viral and strangers give him $120,000. You know, there's, there's no end of stories where people just share kindness, not because they're expecting a reward, but just because it's part of the human spirit to be kind to others. But it's nice to hear these stories where that kind of kindness in reaching out does then generate an outpouring of resources from other people. So here, young guy Jordan Taylor works at Rouse's Market Grocery in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He was restocking orange juice last week when he noticed Jack Ryan Edwards watching him. Now, Jack Ryan is a 17-year-old boy with autism, and he was just standing there captivated by Taylor's work, just stocking orange juice, nothing sophisticated. But Jordan, the supermarket employee, guessed that maybe the youngster wanted some orange juice. So he offered up a bottle to the teen with no response. Then he took a different angle and he asked Jack Ryan if he wanted to help him stock the coolers. Well, after getting a verbal confirmation from the teenager, Taylor spent the next 30 minutes carefully and patiently working with Jack Ryan to restock the shelves. Now, this young boy who had autism, his dad came around the corner, saw what was going on. He was so blown away by the compassionate gesture. He pulled out his phone, took a few videos of the sweet exchange. And then his, the teenager's older sister posted them up to video, up to Facebook, praising the employee for his kindness. Well, you know where that's going to go. I mean, it's people saw that and were so thrilled with this young man who is just a stock clerk in a grocery store, but with his taking the time to reach out to somebody, another teenager with autism, make him feel needed, make him feel important. While that post went viral, thousands of people donated to a campaign um, 
the the guy the the young man with autism his dad put up a GoFundMe page to raise money for this young stock boy's college fund. Well, that has worked pretty well. As of right now, there's over $120,000 in there, all of which will be going toward his education. Although he says he still plans on working at the grocery store. Well, that's kind of spread all over. Not only that, a local credit union donated a car to his family so he'd have a means of transportation in the future. And if that isn't enough, representatives from Rouse's market saw the video and reached out to Jack Ryan, the young man with autism, so they could offer him a job at the store. Well, it just goes on and on. I mean, just a very, very cool story on how a little kindness starts a chain of events where a lot of people benefit. You know, and the neat thing about this is people like to be involved in something good. They really do. I mean, sometimes we think that people just respond to negativism and, you know, something to fight against. Well, that's true. They seem to do that. But you get something that's really doing good. People want to be, they want to hitch their wagon to that star as well. They want to be involved in something meaningful, something with a good cause. And I love how these ideas spread like that. Now, here's one. This has to do with an invention. And I love these kind of ideas. And it's right under the nose of a whole lot of you listening there. Me as well. But the now listen to how simple this is and yet how profound the application is going to be. Depressed by cable news playing in public everywhere, he designed glasses that black out the screens. So this was the young engineer, Scott Blue, engineer in Los Angeles. He got sick of being bombarded by the endless bad news and television ads on public screens. Now think about it. If you go to the airport, there's TV screens playing everywhere. Are they playing... You know, Little House in the Prairie? No, <laughs> they're blasting us with negative news, the things that are filled with murder, hatred, pestilence, all the negative things happen. That's what we're being bombarded with when you're sitting there getting ready to go on a nice vacation, as an example. If you go down, if you go to um, Times Square in New York City, you know, the screens, I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds of screens that are blasting messages, both news and advertisements. Well, this young guy, Scott Blue, thought there ought to be a solution to this. There ought to be a way to protect ourselves from that bombardment. What he did, he took some ordinary glasses. He experimented with the film that really is the Callie, the, the, the polarized lenses, you know, that's a special kind of film. He experimented with that, turning it, combining things, and created glasses that totally turned screens black. So you're walking around. I mean, you can walk into Best Buy, you know, where there's screens everywhere, and the screens all appear black. Now, you can see normally. You can read a book or anything with the glasses on, but the screens all go black. There's something about the... You know, LED lights, the electronic lights, and it totally blocks those. Now, there's a video. You can check this out. But it's called IRL glasses, which stands for in real life. So they're making these glasses. Now, again, there's nothing real high tech involved in that. It's just an idea and putting together an application of things that are already available created these glasses where you can walk down a sidewalk in New York City, Chicago, New York, Miami, or wherever you happen to be, and you don't see the screens. Or I guess you could walk into a sports bar and enjoy the camaraderie there and not see anything on the screens. 
I mean, it's sometimes I, I know that, you know, Joanne and I are, you know, perturbed about the fact we'll be sitting somewhere enjoying an environment, but you can't get away from the screens. Now, this isn't going to block the sound. I guess that's another issue if you want to do that, but not seeing the screens. I just think this is a cool idea. Well, these this guy and his partner, I mean, they're just kids, but they created a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to manufacture these. I mean, that's a great way to get it out there. You don't have to have a lot of money. And um, they had a goal of $25,000 to raise for these glasses. Now, as I'm recording this right now, there are 13 days left to go on that Kickstarter campaign. And they've raised not $25,000, they've raised $119,386. I love that. Now, if you want to participate in the campaign, you'll get a pair of glasses or even at a higher level, you'll get a custom design a pair for you if you want. But I just love the idea of somebody that just took simple need, recognized something out there and said, you know what? We're going to come up with a solution for this, and they're off and rolling. Now, I've got some questions today about, you know, how can I, you know, I hear about these people making a million dollars, you know, how can I do that? This is the kind of thing you need to pay attention to. This is the kind of thing that you probably stumble over three times a week. An idea that if you actually did something to develop it could have that kind of potential. And I hear those stories all the time. You know, so somebody comes out with these glasses and, and you'll have 15 people say, well, I thought of that a year ago. Well, thinking about it doesn't do anything. You have to act on it. Just knowing something or recognizing the need is not enough. But if you take action, develop it. I mean, how do you think you came up with a pet rock and a hula hoop and a frisbee and the kind of things that we see out there as, you know, those big ideas that really aren't that complicated, but somebody took action and did it. That's the kind of thing you need to be paying attention to. Well, a couple other good news items here. Here's a movie star who's given away his $714 million net worth. This is, this is a Chinese actor, Cho Young Fat. The beloved movie star from Hong Kong is recently announced to be giving away his entire fortune to charity. The 63-year-old celebrity and philanthropist has starred in such films as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, A Better Tomorrow, and The Replacement Killers. Although he has accumulated a staggering net worth of $714 million over the course of his career, he apparently has no need for such wealth. Now, here's the deal. He lives a very modest style, spending only about $100 a month. Instead of driving luxury sports cars and living in a mansion like one might expect of a stereotypical celebrity, he buys his clothes at thrift stores. He and his wife prefer to eat at food stalls just out on the sidewalk. He takes public transit wherever he can, and he only recently bought a smartphone after the Nokia phone, which he had owned for 17 years, finally broke. So he and his wife... Say they plan on giving the fortune away to a number of charities in addition to their own charity, which they've managed for several years. He says, my dream is to be happy and a happy and normal person. <laughs> now check this out. He says, the hardest thing in life is not about how much money you earn, but how to keep a peaceful mindset and live the rest of your life in a simple and carefree manner. Wow, that's pretty profound. I mean, how many people have we seen who got access to money? quickly and it ruined their lives 
people win the lottery, people, I mean, here in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, people who get a big hit country music song, boom, you know, they buy three Hummers, take out a mortgage on a million dollar house. And, you know, six months later, they're broke and miserable because it didn't last. Well, certainly it can, but um, see that happen a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hardest thing, this guy says, hardest thing in life is not about how much money you earn, but how to keep a peaceful mindset and live the rest of your life in a simple and carefree manner. Wow. I'm going to think about that some. You know, mindset is so important. Um, oh, well, I, I'm, we, we may have that as a, as a theme because it comes up again and again and again. Even when, you know, I was recently in Cuba and I, I've developed a presentation based on that, looking at where does economic opportunity come from? Is it really circumstances being right or is it mindset? Well, it's mindset. I mean, we see people in exactly the same circumstances, whether it's in Cuba or in the good old US of A, circumstances are the same. Some people feel trapped. There's no opportunity. There's nothing that could be done. I'm miserable. And other people are saying, wow, I just developed these really cool glasses. You know, and now I generated $120,000 to people that want to help me manufacture those and distribute them. I mean, there's, and it doesn't have to be something that exotic in terms of an invention, but just doing something. I mean, opportunity is a result of mindset, not circumstances. Well, let me jump into some questions here. This comes from Lucas, who says, good morning, Dan. Now, he, he says, it's me again, Lucas, the Wednesday guy. I know you'll be reading emails today. Well, I do. He knows. I talk about that, that the email address I use for podcast questions, askdan at 48days.com. I open that on Wednesday morning. That's when I look at those, go through, select questions, and then record the podcast. I also respond to a lot of people in there. There's always a lot of personal things in there, and that's okay. And there's also a lot of requests for promoting new books, interviewing authors, that kind of thing, which I pretty much just um, delete and go on. Can't keep up with the barrage of things there. But uh, so Lucas knows that I'm reading my emails on Wednesday morning. He said, I'd like it to be a personal question from me to you until I get some traction with this project I'm working on. Uh, he's working with a coach that uh, we connected him with in the 40 Days Eagles community. And incidentally, you hear a lot of things here that overlap because people in the Eagles community are very, very involved in submitted questions for the podcast, and rightfully so. I can't answer all of them in the community, but I pick a couple to answer here. And again, that community is exploding with people who are saying, I want to find the next idea. I want to do something to provide more for my family. And again, it's 48dayseagles.com. Things are happening there. I just um, am ready to announce our advisory board for 2019. We've not done that before. It's been pretty much Dr. Brian Dixon and me just managing the details. But now we've got an advisory board. These are people who understand the community, who are involved themselves, and are going to really help us make that even more appealing, a more powerful connection for people there. Well, Lucas says, um, so he's working with a coach. He had mentioned the idea about translating audiobooks to Spanish version. He says, I'm, I'm going to be translating books from Andy Andrews, Zig Ziglar. And of course you, the purpose of this email is to ask permission to create a sample chapter of 48 DS and see if it's something that you would be interested in doing. 
I'm going to be the go-to guy when it comes to translating audiobook to audiolibros. There are over 40 million of Spanish-speaking people in the United States, and many of those, believe it or not, only read in their native language Spanish. Now, he goes on here. Now, I, I like this. I, I don't know Lucas, but I, I like his approach. Now, he's reaching out. Well, no, here's, here's the deal. He's selling something. He wants to be the go-to guy to translate books into Spanish. So instead of just saying, gee, Dan, you know, I'll do this for X number of dollars, you know, pay me. And I'll no, he said, let me do a chapter and then you can let me know what you think. I mean, what a great approach. How could I say no to that? Why would I say no to that? There's no obligation, no commitment, no expense on my part at all. Why would he do that? Because if he really believes in the quality of what he's doing, I'm going to be blown away at what he does. And then we'll move on from there. I mean, what does Chick-fil-A do when you walk through the mall? There's people standing out there and they have their little toothpicks and they have chicken that they want you to taste because they think if you taste a little bit, then you're going to want more. I mean, it's, it's a proven concept, but I love this approach. It's much like what happened with the Spanish version of 48 days, which is now 48 days. It's brand new. I'm going to be doing um, red carpet gala event with uh, Morgan James Publishing, my publisher on that book right here in Nashville um, in just a few weeks. But uh, to launch that book, I'm really excited about it. Now, how was that done? I had the Spanish rights to the book from my publisher, um, major publisher who has the English version, but I had the rights to foreign versions. I had a lady who volunteered to do the translation of the book. Same thing, lady who lives in Texas, but she was born in Bogota, Colombia. So her native language is Spanish, but she teaches the Dale Carnegie program in both English and Spanish. What I had her do, she said she would be, she would volunteer to translate the entire book. Now that you got to be kidding me. So I said, here's what I'd like you to do. I said, let's do one chapter, do one chapter, and then I'll reach out to some of my Spanish experts in our 48 days community and see what they think. So I did. I reached out to Jose Gonzalez here in Nashville, very prominent figure in the Spanish, in the Hispanic community. And I reached out to Cesar Escobar, who is our 48 days guy down in Bogota, Colombia, and asked them, is this done well? Is the context done well? Is it not just a literal translation of the words, but rather contextual capturing the real essence of what I'm talking about. Well, both of them said, Oh my goodness, Edna really gets it. This is great. So then I went ahead and had her do the entire book. Now it's just finished. I mean, I, we had, she didn't ask for any compensation on that. Do you think that I'll maybe compensate her? Oh yeah. I mean, I can't wait to start sending her checks. When we release that, I've got a very generous commission proposal already structured in my mind about how I'm going to do that, compensate her for the work that she did to just take the initiative like that and reach out. So, I mean, be creative with your ideas. I mean, how could you do that? How could you get somebody to experience, to taste what it is that you have to offer so that they would in fact want more? I mean, it's a very legitimate marketing tool that you can use no matter what it is that you're doing, something that you can do to help expand. Well, this comes from Josh, who says, Dan, I currently work for a general contractor 
in Texas. I enjoy the work I do, working with my hands, but I'm losing the drive I had. Working with other individuals that do not have the drive for taking pride in what they do and the mentality of just working to get a paycheck is taking a toll on me. The owner of the company drains the company of finances to pursue whatever feeling or want he has. I understand it's his company and money. However, it makes me feel insecure about the future of the company. I have a side hustle, handyman work and woodworking. My boss does not want me pursuing handyman work. It's too close in relation to the work of our company. Also, my wife does not want me to jump out on my own with my own business. I've considered the options of going back to school to focus in on a single trade instead of being so broad in my work. I'm 35 with a six-year-old son, work a lot of hours to allow my wife to be a stay-at-home mom and home economist. I read books, listen to podcasts. I hear these people that are becoming self-employed millionaires. I would love to figure out a way to provide better income for my family in a creative way that uses my talents and abilities. I'm very focused, detail-oriented, task-driven, and some times a perfectionist in the work that I do. And they hope would be appreciated. Well, sure. Let's have fun with this, Josh. So let's think about what it is that you are already doing. You're working in woodworking. You're doing a little side business, handyman work, woodworking. And you hear about these people becoming millionaires. Yeah. Let's look at ways that you can separate yourself from the pack. So you're not just one more handyman. You know, where you can, you can charge, I mean, we pay handyman around here, you know, usually like $40 an hour. You know, you can do that, certainly. But if you do woodworking, what is it you could do that would really set you apart? Now, let me give you a couple examples. Many of you have heard me talk about Aristotle, the eagle here in our property. Now, this isn't a live eagle. It's an eagle carved out of a cedar tree. Or a few years ago, one of the big trees in our property didn't come back to life. And being a creative guy, I thought, I don't want to just cut this down. There's got to be something we could do with this. So I contacted a wood sculptor who lives in a town about an hour from here out in Dixon, Tennessee. And I said, Terry, I think that there's an eagle trying to get out of this tree. Now, it was just a big, big dead tree at that point. Now, she had never done a standing tree. She had done woodworking where she works on her wood bench in her shop. Came out and she walked around and she says, well, I think you're right. Now, she warned me. She said, you know, I may screw up. I may be wrong. This may not turn out to be what it, what you want it to be. And we both discussed the possibility that it would just be a mess. Well, at that point, what would I do? I'd just cut it down, get rid of the stump, like most people would have done initially. Well, she came out on a Monday morning. We set up scaffolding. I cut the tree at about 14 feet up. Had had a company come out, cut the tree, got rid of all the big tree, but about 14 feet off the ground. She went to work on a Monday morning with chainsaw, then very quickly went to wood chisels and released this amazing, beautiful, about a six-foot wingspan eagle. Now, it was there all along. I mean, there's a beautiful metaphor about that, that kind of relates to our business anyway. You know, sometimes when something comes to an end, you think it's gone. Nah, it's just getting ready to release something even more beautiful, more powerful than what you had experienced before. So that's the metaphor. But Terry did, in fact, release that eagle. Now, again, she knew there was a possibility of it not turning out beautiful. Fortunately, it did turn out beautiful. I paid her very well for that. 
We had done, in that situation, it was kind of interesting. We didn't discuss it in advance. It was something she had not done before. She didn't know how long it was going to take, what it would look like. I didn't either. I just had her start working on it. So she worked on it for from Monday morning until noon on Wednesday. She was taking down the scaffolding. Everything was finished and she was ready to go. Well, I paid her $1,000, incidentally, for that. Now, that has turned out to be low because of what it positioned her to do. With people seeing the eagle here, we have referred her to so many people, and she has just exploded with high-quality work. Now, here's the deal, and this is what I want you to pay attention to, Josh. See, as a woodworker, she could have worked on making a table during that period of time or in doing a repair in somebody's bathroom because she understands woodworking or she could go down show up down here in franklin at the town square on saturday mornings and whittle um you know whittle a, a bird whistle or she could you know build a little bird houses there's so many things she could do but those would not give her the kind of massive leverage to separate her from what everybody else is doing that's what I want you to look for. What is it that you do with your woodwork that you could so separate yourself just from the common ordinary woodworkers out there? What is that unique talent that only Josh can do? Now you can check out Terry Brasher, the lady I'm talking about. Her her website is carvingsforchrist.com. Just like it sounds, carvingsforchrist.com. You'll be blown away at what you see there. That's the kind of thing that she does. That's why she is living a life and enjoying income that most people only dream of. Now, there's others. I mean, Dayton Brown is a young guy who's been to events here at the sanctuary. I've had him do work for me. I've had him do refinishing on pieces that we really wanted to keep, like real special antique pieces. His skills in that arena are just mind-blowing. Now, he... His, his website is hedgewoodbuilders.com. Now, he does a lot of traditional remodeling. He oversees crews that do that. But his own work particularly is real high-end exotic pieces that there's only going to be one in the entire universe of. Now, he's also, being a real inventive, creative guy, he's also partners in a company. They gave me a display recently of a little fire pit that's gas-powered, but they have it connected to music so that the fire jumps and oscillates in coordination with whatever music you have playing. You can put on rock and roll and it's the, you get the beat in seeing how the fire oscillates. I mean, it's a really cool thing and he's probably going to make way more money there than he's ever made in any other venture in his life. So just look for the unusual. I mean, that's what you've got to do in these kind of situations. Don't just be one more in a sea of sameness, find your uniqueness in the skills that you do. Now, incidentally, God, I want to go on, but I need to, there's so many things in this. You're 35 years old with a six-year-old son. Your wife doesn't want you to jump into your own business. Well, what your wife is saying with that is she doesn't think you can generate consistent, reasonable income. Believe me, if you show three months in a row where you're generating $10,000 a month, your wife is going to be on board. So all you need is a little success. 
And it's going to change her opinion. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. We can have Joanne talk to her if you need to, my wife, because she knows what it's like to be on the front side of an entrepreneurial venture. But on the other side, would she want to give that up? Uh, no, not a chance. Not a chance that she'd want me to you know, go get a regular job and keep that because of the security, because she's now experienced what's possible on the other side. And sure, there's lots of opportunities there. Well, let me jump in here. A couple more here. Cedron, Cedian, Cedian, I guess it is, says, I'd like to know what you advise me to do. I have a fully written rough draft of a Christian-based self-help book, and I'm in the process of trying to understand how to put together a launch. I own your right to the bank materials from a few years back, but would love to have any further insights from you today. I do have a marketing plan in mind. I understand the importance of making my book into an audio book and an ebook, having it linked back to a well-developed website to connect with readers and build a community, etc. But what, what would you recommend for getting a physical book out? Is it possible I could get a publisher to buy my book? Well, Cedrian, my goodness, you you have uh, done a great job of compacting some really big questions into one small paragraph here. There's so many approaches to this, and there's certainly not one cookie cutter way to do this right. If you have your own book that you've written, you can go ahead and just self-publish it. You can go through CreateSpace or anyone I mean that that's through Amazon. That's one of the biggest ones that you can do to just get it out there. You can connect with people like Carrie Oberbrunner at Author Academy Elite. I mean, you can check that out at authoracademyelite.com. I mean, he's got a wonderful, wonderful community. I'm going to be speaking at his conference uh, up in Columbus, Ohio, where there'll be about 500 authors. People have taken their manuscripts, and he helps them through the process to actually get a book produced into major distribution, the whole thing. So there's resources like that. I mean, I have 48dayspress.com. Now, what I look for is are books that really tie into the 48 days message. So it's going to be things about finding your passion, finding a career that makes sense, you know, finding, figuring out how to do work that is fulfilling, meaningful, and profitable. I mean, those are the kind of manuscripts that I work with. I'll have a couple to announce here shortly that are in the process right now that are getting ready to be released. That'll be under the 48 days brand. So those will actually be the 48 days imprint. But you could go to 48dayspress.com, check it out there. All the information is there about what I look for in manuscripts. And if it's something that doesn't fit, you know, I'd be delighted to have a further conversation with you about that. But those, you know, can, can you get it out there in a physical form? Sure. The way I look at my books is that they are one initial way to share my core message with people. If you take 48 days to the work you'll have as an example, in that, I want to help people figure out how has God uniquely gifted you? And then how can you take that and turn it into meaningful, fulfilling, profitable work on Monday morning? That's it. That's my message. That's the message in the book. But what I use the book for is a way to introduce people to the other things in my business that are ways that I make significant income. The book is really not a money generator. And I want to caution you on that. If you think that this is going to solve your financial woes, you're going to get a book out there and make a lot of money, probably not going to happen. Be very, very rare that that would happen. And I can introduce you to a whole lot of well-known author names who will confirm that. You don't make a lot of money 
from a book. But if it leads people to other things that you do, then certainly, you know, there can be coaching programs or a mastermind or an online community or courses that you develop from that. There's a whole lot of things you can do. I'm not sure if that's applicable if you have a Christian-based self-help book, but I suspect that it might be. So look for those kind of things. That's really how you need to be thinking about this more than just how can you get more books out there? Getting more books out there, that's fine. But again, that's just the introduction if you really understand a robust business model. Could you get a publisher to buy your book? Probably not. Now, does it happen? Yes. But there are companies out there like Barrett Kohler and you see big names. I mean, like, uh, golly, um, Ken Blanchard, you know, just uh, one, one name that comes to mind. I know he's published books with Barrett Kohler. They give a hundred dollar advance to people, no matter how famous you are, that's it. Now you make your money if the book sells. So the idea, if you're, if you're talking about here, can you get you know somebody to give you a $50,000 advance on your book? Now the chances of that are, are pretty much non-existent. If you wanted to pursue that, you would need to get an agent. And if you want to get an agent, I mean, there are agents out there that work with Christian self-help books. I mean, certainly you can do that. If you just go to, um, well, go to like authormedia.com and just search for Christian literary agents or just do a Google search, Christian literary agents. You're going to find, you know, the top 20 people out there, a lot of recognized names out there, people that I know that are great agents. If you get them, interested in your book, sure, they'll take it to publishers and get somebody to give you a publishing deal. Um, But again, be realistic about what you think that will accomplish for you. Um, There are probably ways you can get in the game if you really do understand the marketing as it appears that you do, where you don't have to tie your hands then with what a publisher is going to do. Now, I work with Morgan James Publishing a lot. We did Joanne's book, Creating a Haven of Peace with them. Morgan James Publishing. Um, because I love their model and it's a very low initial advance that you get, but you get very generous royalties if the book in fact sells and they get in the game with you to really make sure that that does happen. So check out 48dayspress.com as one possibility. Again, I'd love to talk to you if it's something that fits there. Now, Jeff has a question that's also related to this, and we're going to wrap up on this one. He says, uh, Dan, I've heard you mention in your podcast about buying the rights to a book no longer being published. And he asked he asked this also in the 48 Days Eagles community. Has anyone else ever done this or know any information available to guide me through the process? I have a specific book I would like to do this with. Yeah, it's not very complicated. I mean, I have purchased books where let's say the publisher went out of business. I mean, that's a pretty typical kind of thing. Publishers go out of business all the time. It's a tough business for sure. And if they have a book, they're going to want to sell the rights that they have to the authors, to the titles that they've been publishing. So it's pretty straightforward. I've done that where publishers going out of business. And I simply selected a couple books where I thought, here's an example. I selected a little book called, um, Oh, it was on creativity. What was the title of it? The full title. It was Creative Ideas for a Big Life or something like that. Anyway, it was a book we had been selling. And I thought, well, this is cool. You know, the publisher's going out of business. I'll contact them. And I did. I had a three-minute conversation and I bought the rights to that book for $1,000. 
So I had no blood, sweat, tears involved in creating the book at all. I simply bought the rights, everything to that book. I had the files, cover files, the whole thing. Now, as it turns out, we didn't, we, we were going to just republish it. I was going to update it, add my own comments in there and publish it under our own brand. We didn't do that. We may do that. But there are some others that we've done where it's kind of stimulated new ideas for books that we then did go ahead and publish as well. But yeah, you can do that. I mean, the first thing to do is talk to the publisher. If there's a book that's no longer in print out there, yeah, you talk to the publisher. It's not the author, unless the author self-published you know, then you would go to the author, but typically well, books you're talking about here. And there's a lot of this out there. I mean, Melvin Powers was an old guy who understood mail order marketing. He made millions and millions of dollars by publishing books, not that he wrote himself, but that were simply not marketed well. I mean, he made psycho cybernetics, kind of a household world word, the old Maxwell Maltz book years and years ago. Um, he, he would get rights to books just because they were no longer published. I mean, books die really quickly. I mean, publishers pay attention to books for about 90 days, boom, then they're gone to the next thing. So there's a lot of books out there that just simply aren't being promoted that are well done, but just simply aren't being promoted. Yeah, you can get rights to those books, go to the publisher, get the rights to those books, and then you can do what you want to with them. Well, keep in mind our Let's just circle back to our <laughs> circle back to our quotation for today. You know, if you don't build your dream, someone will hire you to build theirs. I mean, that's not a negative thing, but it's a very realistic thing for us to pay attention to. If you don't build your own dream, man, you can go to work hourly for somebody and help them build their dream. So, whose dream are you working on this week? Hey, I want to remind you too about the cruise we've got coming up. Golly, we got a we were reviewing just yesterday all the names of people who are going to join us there. The Acres of Diamonds Cruise. And check it out. Go to 48days.com slash cruise. We're looking for people to share their ideas. Acres of Diamonds. What is, what is the unique idea that you have? If you're going to be on a cruise, we're going to give you an opportunity to share your idea. Share your idea in a way that will inspire others, but also get the input of others on the cruise about how you can grow your idea. I mean, there's nothing like a cruise to be a, a fun thing that we do together to grow our ideas, to spend time eating meals together, dancing together, doing karaoke, but also expanding the real lives that we get to live. So check it out, 48days.com slash cruise. Well, hey, thanks for being part of this community. This is a supportive community. We see how people help each other in this community. Always working to help each other, committed to each other's success. I mean, what a wonderful way to live life together. So thanks for being part of this organization where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.